helping people cope with and overcome life's challenges. This is Life Transformations with Michael Hart, Canadian Certified Counselor and Award-Winning Psychotherapist. I want to thank you for joining us in this episode of the Life Transformation Show. And yes, love is in the air. Valentine's Day is quickly approaching. And because of that, I wanted to do a show today that has the theme of love. So I'm going to take a break from the birth order series that I have been doing and uh, do a show that's called a love quiz. It's a way to rate your relationship. We often hear the statement, I love you or I have fallen in love in, in reference to romantic relationships. But what does it mean to be in love with someone? Is it a feeling? Is it, is it a state of being that you just know when you're in it, but you can't explain it? Well, there are ways to tell if your love relationship is strong and if the love that you are feeling is, is really love or is it something else? And today I will be given 10 aspects of love. And as I go through this show today, I would like you to give your relationship 10 points for each of the following statement that is true. And at the end of it, I would like you to total your points and see how many points do you get out of a hundred. So we'll see if your relationship is strong or if there is need for some work. Don't despair. If your relationship is in the need of work, then you can get help. Elam Counseling Services is a counseling service that deals with couples relationship and there are other counseling centers as well that is well equipped to help you you to better your relationship. So this is a test to see where you are. So here we go. I have 10 points. I'm going to go into the points very quickly. The first point is, do you feel that your spouse puts nothing or no one before you? You either answer yes or no and give yourself 10 points if the answer is yes. Psychologists speak of triangulation as a means of explaining when a third person or thing becomes involved with a couple's relationship in a way that creates an unhealthy bond. Uh, a third person, third party could be in-laws, it could be a work colleague, it could be a substance abuse, it could be a child, it could be a friend. But when that thing becomes intertwined with the couple's relationship, it creates an interference that detracts from the love and the attention that they need to give to each other. In the biblical relationship of Isaac and Rebecca, we find that there was a triangulation in the couple's relationship because Isaac was triangulated with Esau. So in that triangle, you have Isaac, Esau, and Rebecca. But there is a second triangle where you have Rebecca, Isaac, and Jacob. So there are two triangles with each of the couple, each of the, the, the partners in this couple's relationship be 
triangulated with one of their sons. So triangulation creates a lot of problems in relationships. So if your relationship is triangulated, try to find a way to deal with it so that you begin to prioritize each other and that nothing comes between you and your spouse. Second question. Your quarrels do not include insults or put-downs. Your quarrels do not include insults or put-downs. If this is true, then give yourself another 10 point. But if not, you score no point for this question. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 48, we read, love is kind. In that love chapter of the, the Bible, those verses that speaks of what love is, one of the things that is said here is that love is kind. So if in your love relationship you're using insults, swear words, or put down, then there is a problem that needs to be corrected. Dr. John Gottman a renowned psychologist speaks of the four horsemen of destructive communication, and he mentioned a contempt of one of the horsemen. So if you are using insults or put down to solve your conflict, then you are doing damage to your communication and you're stuck in an unhealthy communication pattern that is going to eat away at the fabric of your relationship. What I find with a lot of couples that I counsel is that a lot of times as the years go by, they forget what it was that they were fighting about in some of the quarrels. But what they do remember is the hurtful words that were said when these insults were hurled at at each other. And so if this is happening in your relationship, it can create permanent damage or damage that takes a lot of work to to heal. So if there are put down and insults in your relationship, this is not something that is congruent with loving someone. The third question is, are you both satisfied with your sex life? In 1 Corinthians 7, the Apostle Paul speaks about the duty that husband and wives have to each other. And he he says in that passage that the husband body does not belong to him, but to the wife, and that the wife body does not belong to her, but to her husband. This is not a way of saying that each person has control over the other, far from it. What the Apostle Paul is saying here, that we should not be selfish in how we go about engaging with our partner in intimacy, but we should consider Consider the other person's needs and not just how we feel in the moment are our own needs. And he goes on to say in verse 5 that do not deprive each other except by mutual consent for a time that you may devote yourself to prayer. So Paul is saying here that sexual intimacy in a marital relationship is important. So when couples involved in sexual intimacy, 
Research shows that there is a bond, a strong bond that is created. And statistics show that divorce rates are lower for couples that engage in regular sexual intimacy. And so the opposite is also true. If you are in a relationship where there is a lack of sexual intimacy, then it's quite likely that your relationship might be heading for trouble. 50% of men say that in a survey that was done, 50% of men say that they would not have married their spouses if they knew their marriage was going to be a sexless one. And by sexless marriage, we mean a marriage in which sexual intimacy is 10 times or less per year. And the psychologists also tell us that there are several benefits to sexual intimacy in a relationship, physical benefits such as lower stress, improved sleep, and boosting of immune function. So if there is a lack of intimacy in your relationship, it is important for you to try to get to the root of what is happening. Why is it that there is a lack of intimacy? I have counseled couples who, for some of these couples, it has been years where they are not interested in sexual intimacy. So if you are a male and you are you no longer have a desire for sexual intimacy, it could have something to do with your health. It could be it could be an indication that there might be diabetes or heart-related issue or low testosterone. And so if you're a female, there could be hormone issues as well, or there could be stress or anxiety that is at the root of your lack of libido or unresolved uh unresolved sexual abuse from childhood. So it's important to have these issues looked at and to see what is at the root of the lack of intimacy in your relationship because intimacy bonds couples together. The fourth point is, if the fourth question is, our statement is, is is there a feeling of mutual respect for each other in your relationship? Is there a feeling of mutual respect for each other? Research out of the University of California says that, that respect in a couple's relationship is an indicator, a contributing factor to the success of of the relationship, and that if there is not respect, then there is a lack of attachment, there is anxiety, and there is avoidance, which will eventually lead to a deterioration in the quality of the relationship and possible divorce in the long run. So respect comes from this sense that you both have value in the relationship, that no partner is inferior to the other. And 
And I know that we have in the Christian context the, the concept of the, the husband being the leader. But being a leader doesn't mean that the people you are leading is inferior to you. Sadly enough, what I find in a lot of couples' relationship is that the women are treated as if they're inferior because they're, they're told that they need to, to submit. And so submission, there's nothing wrong with submission, but if submission is in the context of you are inferior to me, your needs are not as important as my need, then that kind of authority in a relationship is wrong. That kind of submission is not a godly submission. Because in the same passage in the, in the scripture where it talks about submission, it also says that husbands are to love their wives as Christ loved the church and laid down his life for it. And so this mutual respect is in that statement. Christ respects the church so much that he's willing to die for it. And as we see in scriptures that, especially in the first century church, they loved Christ so much that many of them were willing to give their life for the sake of Christ and the gospel. And so it's a two-way street. It's mutual respect. A lot of husband d- demands respect from their partner, but then they turn around and they act in disrespectful way. In a healthy love relationship, there is a mutual respect for each other. Both individuals in this relationship has a high regard for the other because of their uniqueness and what they contribute. And it's important to realize that even if you are the sole breadwinner in your relationship and your partner is staying at home, it's important to realize that your partner still brings value to the relationship. So four is that there is a, is there this feeling of mutual respect for each other? How are you doing so far? Do you have 40 out of 40 possible points or are you struggling a little bit? Uh, 10 out of 40, whatever it is, let's keep going because you might catch up in these other remaining questions. So the fifth question is, Can you count on your spouse to be there for you when you are not at your best? And so this fifth point is what uh, psychologists call when this is lacking. They call it attachment injury. And attachment injury occurs when one partner violates the expectation of the other that they can count on them for support either during times of illness or maybe times when they are they're, are not uh, when they are in danger or they need their support if they have been ganged upon by fa- other family members or in-laws this ability to feel this sense
sense that you can count on your partner to be there in times of danger or distress or times when you are not at your best emotionally or physically. When this trust is violated, there is a sense of insecurity that develops in the relationship and that hurt partner goes through the rest of the relationship or the rest of the life of the relationship feeling that they cannot count on their partner to be there for them when they are not at their best. And this injury can take a long time to heal if the root of it is not addressed and dealt with. I see couples who 30 years after an event is coming in for counseling because this the, the injury has not been dealt with. And so injuries, for example, would be uh, an affair that took place at the, in the foundational years of the relationship. Or it could be uh, insults that were hurled at the, at the wedding uh, by the, the, the groom's mother at the bride. Or something significant that took place at a pivotal time in the relationship. These are attachment injured. could be that during pregnancy, you felt that you were abandoned by your mate. These are all attachment injuries that needs to be dealt with for the relationship to be healthy. Michael will be right back. You have been listening to the Live Transformation Show. In light of the upcoming Valentine's Day, Michael Hart of Elam Counseling Services has been speaking on the topic, the love quiz. You can find out more about us at elimcounselingministry.com or by calling 1-877-204-2914 where you can also make a donation to this Christ-centered ministry. Your donations help us to stay on the air and to provide subsidized counseling to those who can't afford it. Back to Michael. So question six says, both of you are quick to apologize when the other person has been wronged. Is this statement true or false for your relationship? Give yourself another 10 point if it's true and zero if it's not. Apology is a very important part of a couple's relationship, but it's also important to know what it is to apologize because sometimes apology is done in a way that you feel as if the other person is trying to shut you up. I apologize, so therefore don't talk about that anymore. Apology in which you you, you are silencing the other person with the quick I am sorry does not quite cut it for an apology. An apology has to have a serious recognition as to what the offense is, why the offense was wrong, how the offense hurt the other person, and a sense, uh, giving the person a sense that you realize the seriousness of what you did and that it will not be, uh, it will not be repeated. Also, when you're sincerely sorry for something, your sorry and remorse should not make you upset or angry when the other person speaks of their emotional pain. So you might be, you might want to watch the, the podcast or listen to the podcast that I did on 
five elements of a sincere apology because I used the story of the prodigal son in that podcast to, to speak about the five ingredients that are necessary, elements that are necessary for an apology to be sincere. Statement number seven. Both of you are quick to forgive when the other admits to a fault. And so that's the other side of apology. In your relationship, when the other person admits to doing something wrong, are you quick to forgive or do you hold grudges? And let me just clarify here that being quick to forgive doesn't mean that your pain disappears. You can forgive for something egregious that was done against you and still carry pain and still talk about it from day to day about how it hurts you. Forgiveness is is an exercise of the will to say, I choose to forgive despite how I feel. However, if you have forgiven for something and a long time has passed, years have passed, and you're still holding on to it, it is quite possible that you're carrying bitterness. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, it says, love does not keep a record of wrong. In Isaiah 43 verse 25, we are told that our sins are burned blotted out when God forgives us. And so there was this uh, process that were done that when the sins of someone or transgression or the crime of a criminal was, was forgiven, they would use ink to pour over that crime so that it could not be seen uh, on the record anymore. So this is what it means when it says, Christ has blot out our sin. Now, if you are for- forgiven your partner, you cannot hold what, they're, what they have done to you as a way of demeaning them, belittling them, or make them feel as if they're pain for a wrong for the rest of their lives. It's important that forgiveness uh, has two ingredients to it. There is uh, a, a sense that there needs to be no active aggression towards the person. That's one side. So you can say, I forgive you. I am not taking revenge. I'm not going to punish you for what you did. But the other side of forgiveness is that there need to be what psychologists call an increased positive motivation, some kind of goodwill towards the other person. So if you're forgiven the other person, you don't keep punishing them by withdrawing your attention from them or except in cases where there is danger or there's physical violence. I'm speaking here in a, in a normal couple's relationship. In, in forgiveness, there is an increased positive motivation or goodwill towards the transgression transgressor in which the person who is hurt gestures in positive way that the relationship has been repaired. Okay, number eight is you boats you are both supportive of each other's goals. Are you both supportive of each other's goals in your relationship? If so, give yourself another 10 
point. In the first Corinthians chapter 13 chapter on love, we read that love is not self-seeking. What I find in a lot of couples relationship is that people have selfish motives where they, they think about what's best. How can I use this relationship to further my goals, to further my studies, to build my business, to go to places where I want to go? And there is not a sense that the other person's goals are important as well. So in a healthy love relationship, both parties are supportive of each other's goal. Love cannot thrive in a romantic relationship in which there is a sense of martyrdom where by one partner. Isaac and Rebecca's family fell apart and was broken up because of competing goals. You see, Rebecca had this vision that Jacob was going to be the one to inherit the family wealth and the, the blessing of the father, whereas Isaac intended it to be Esau. And there was this struggle, this this emotional tug of war that ensued in that family that ripped the family apart. And so in your relationship, if there is not this mutual support of each other's goal, then then uh, this is something that needs to be addressed. And point number nine says there is a mutual ownership of all assets. In a love relationship, there is not this sense that what I have belongs to me and what you have belongs to you. In some relationship, it gets even more interesting than that. In some relationship is that what I have belonged to me and what you have also belonged to me. But in a healthy relationship, there is a sense of mutual ownership of all assets. In the early church, we were told that they had all things in common. This is how it should be in a healthy marital relationship. If there is this sense that there is secret accounts that are, are being, are, are being kept or you have no idea what your partner has saved or there is secrecy around finances or selfishness around finances, then there is a set there, there that indicates that you have not really become one flesh. When there is mutual ownership, it says that a couple has common goals that they're striving towards, that they're not competing with each other, but that they're building a life together. And so this mutual ownership is a very important aspect of a couple's relationship. And the tenth and final point is, or our statement is, you are both sensitive to each other's needs. If this is the case, give yourself another ten point. This sensitivity allows you to talk about difficult subjects with understanding and compassion passion for the other. I see a lot of couples who come to me for counseling where there are certain subjects that cannot be discussed, even though one partner is hurting. It could have to do with sex. It could have to be do with finances. There are just some 
some subjects that results in heated argument whenever there is an attempt to address those subjects. And so in a healthy relationship where the, each partner is sensitive to the, to the other person's love language and meet the need of that person, not acting in selfish way. You know, there are some couples who come before me where I hear one partner will say, I don't believe in celebrating birthday. So they don't give birthday gifts to their partner. But what if your partner needs to have a birthday gift to feel loved? It is on you to meet the need of your partner, not for you to think about just what you need. So meeting the needs of the others could be the need for rest, the need for sex, the need for approval, for affirmation, for respect, for expression of love, to be able to say, I love you, or for help. So how did you do on the quiz? So we have given the 10 points. Now rate your score and see where you score. And if you score higher than 80%, you're doing doing very well. If you find yourself in that 50% region, it's important that you deal with those aspects of your relationship that needs to be that need to be worked on. Let me say that we didn't include such thing as physical violence or infidelity because if that's the case in your relationship then your relationship is already in serious uh in serious uh straits. It, it is it's in a state of that needs help right away. And so if you are suffering from those big issues or substance abuse, it is important that you get help. So I've quickly come to the end of today's show. And I want to remind you that we're on the air every Monday morning at 9.30. We also have this podcast put up on our YouTube channel by just searching for Elim Counseling Ministry. You can also find out more about us at our website, elimcounselingministry.com. Elim is spelled E-L-I-M, counseling with two L's ministry.com and next week just a reminder that we will be continuing and concluding our birth order series where we will be looking at the only child I also want to remind you that we count on your support to stay on the air so if you haven't donated to us yet uh, please remember to do so by going to our website until next time this is your host Michael Hart of Elam Counseling Services praying that God would bless you in all your relationships and keep you sound in mind and pure in heart.